Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers, a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ. And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers. Parker Foster is a director based in New York City. He's well known for work that takes deep emotional dives and addresses tough to face topics. This short film is a suicide awareness piece that has since won a Webby. I absolutely loved this conversation with Parker and adored his honesty and vulnerability. Please enjoy this episode with Parker Foster. As always, we recommend checking out this episode on the blog so that you can watch the full project and get context into everything that we discuss on this episode. Thanks for being here, Parker. Um, this is a beautiful piece. I've, I've watched it. I watched it before, um, before kind of studying it, if you will. Uh, I think maybe Austin told us about it. Um, so yeah, I watched it before and it's so beautiful. I love the simplicity and um, complexity of it that like truly, you know, you're not saying too much, but you're saying exactly like what needs to be said, which is so cool. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I think it's beautiful, beautiful piece. I'm curious, like, if, if you're okay and willing to to talk about this, like, what's your connection behind the piece? Yeah. Well, one, I think the way you described that was really incredible how, yeah, it is a really simple piece. There's not a lot of moving parts to it. It's very simple to digest, yet the subject matter is a very difficult one to digest. So it was sort of uh, a bit of an opposite pull there. But for me, it's like, and I, I did a talk about this a few months ago, um, and over the last couple of years, especially like post pandemic, you know, my life as a creative has always been creating. Like I've never had another job. This has been it. I went freelance out of high school full time in 2015 and have not done anything since then. And then before that, I only made films as well. There hasn't been like another passion, or another love. It's been film and that's been it. So that's in a, you know, quite literally it's been my life. Uh, and so when the pandemic happened, a few things sort of went through my life. One of those was I didn't have the ability to create really anything because everything was sort of frozen in time. There wasn't, there wasn't really anything to go create or go make. Um, and as freelance filmmakers and just as creatives, like we go create those moments, we can create those stories. But when there is no story to be told and everything is stopped, it's it's a really odd feeling because there's a, it's a barrier that you really can't get over at that time. Um, and for me, that was the, probably the first time in my life that I felt stuck because I didn't really know sort of my purpose or like what I was supposed to be doing because all I ever knew was how to create and how to make things. Um, and, and for me, that was really strange because the answer I always had when I felt a certain way, whether it was happy, sad, angry, joyful, whatever, it's like was to go make something and to flesh that out. So to feel sort of trapped and and not really un, and kind of unsure what was going on in the world and 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 really just kind of in a in an odd place of, of of you know, we were going through something we've never experienced before. And so I couldn't flesh that out creatively because there was no story to go tell because everyone was locked up and no one could do anything. And so what led, what, you know, what came from that was just a really sort of emptiness and, and a depression and like an anxiety of like, am I ever going to get, am I going to be able to make something again? Like, when is this going to be over? Like, when can I, 
when can I go create again? Like, when can I go do the only thing I know how to do? And so, you know, it was a blessing and a curse to go through that, but I'm really happy because that whole year was just uh, probably like the deepest depression I've ever had before. And just kind of a question of like, well, what is my life if I'm not creating? And it was sort of a wake up call to realize that for the last, you know, seven, eight years, I sort of put my entire value as a person into the work I was making. And so my entire, the entire, you know, life of Parker, the whole pie of Parker was just a hundred percent um, creative. And it, if I felt like I didn't, I didn't bring anything else. So I was almost like this empty vessel for like a year and a half between 2020 and 2021. Uh, and so through that whole experience, I started to go to therapy. It was something I've never even, and, and for me too, just kind of backtrack, like I couldn't tell you what mental health meant five years ago. Like I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what anxiety was. And the reason why I didn't know those things is because film gave me such a value and such a love and such a joy that I was sort of blissfully living life, making things since I was like 12 or 13. So when that was taken away, I finally felt what it really felt like to be empty and felt like there was no value there because I just couldn't go do the thing I love doing. Uh, and so kind of, you know, thankfully, like I went to therapy, I got a lot of help and like that sort of realization through therapy made me realize that, you know, I'm more than just the work I'm making and I'm, you know, I'm a great friend. I'm a great son to like my parents and like I, I value friendships and relationships and like uh, there's more to me than just making art. Uh, and so after overcoming that, for me, it was like, okay, since things are now moving again, like I want to, I want to go make something about this. I want to go create a film that reflects how I felt because for me, I've always been the one in the room who was always smiling, always joking, always having like a great time. So when I was talking to more people about my experience and what was happening, no one had any idea that I was going through that because I was such kind of a good, um, like emotional chameleon where I could you know, put a mask on, be really excited, really stoked, and just think that everything is great. Um, when in actuality behind it was like I was broken and I was lost and I didn't really feel like I had this value because at the time I couldn't make anything. The more conversations I had with other people, it seemed that you hear that a lot, is that especially when you when you hear about stories of people who commit suicide, there's there's never a there's never any sort of story that you hear like, oh, like I expected that, like that was something that made sense. It's always like, we had no idea. This person was the life of the party. We had, we, this was the last thing we expected. Um, and so I wanted to make something that sort of reflected that. And that's kind of where the PSA came into play was to show how we are really good at in front of friends and family being someone different than who we are behind closed doors. And there's almost a a hesitation to be that honest self in front of people because you don't want to be labeled crazy or sick or it's like something's wrong with you. Like you wish you want to come off like the best version of yourself. And so it's tough to to be open and be vulnerable. And so for me, it was it was one making this for myself to just kind of reflect and make how I felt for those for that year and a half, but then also um, shine light on maybe people who need to see something like that and know that they aren't alone in the world and that they are it's very much human to be depressed and be overly anxious and be sad. Like that's not, that's not a, uh, that's not a minority issue. That's a majority issue, but the way that it's reflected 
online and through conversation, we feel like it's only a select few of people who go through that, but really it's, it's, it's most of us. Yeah. Wow. That is so good. Oh my gosh. Like I, I understand similar emotions and, and feelings and anxieties and depressions, especially like I am, I'm kind of walking through a season where it's like, wow, I, my whole life was create, being creative, creativity. And so I think so many people resonate with that. I, I, I can't, yeah, I can't even express how important it is that you speak about these things. Um, because so many people walk through this including myself. And I, I'm going through a season where I'm like, wow, you know, I, I thought I was just a creative and I am, you know, but I'm more than that. And I think that it's so valuable to shine light on these other things because we, our identity is not solely in creativity, you know? And I think when you let go of that, that's when you really start to see life flourish. Um, but boy, I, I resonate with that. I think so many people resonate with that. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that you, A, made this, but are, are talking about some of the complexities behind, um, you know, the pandemic, walking away from all this. Oh my gosh, what do we do? You know, I, I, I thought I was a creative all this time and I am a creative still, but, but, I, but I might not be able to create right now. So what does that look like for me? But uh, anyway, I, I could go on and on about this type of stuff. And I know that we have, we're on a schedule and whatnot, but boy, it's so important that you talk about that. And I love that you're, you're sharing and open and honest about things that are really hard. So that's I appreciate my, that. My little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> beyond, beyond the cameras and the production side of everything, a message is really what it's about at the end of the day. And whether you're conveying a message for a commercial project for somebody who's selling something or a music video for a musician, or you're communicating a message that means something to you, that's really what it's about. And you can strip off all the other stuff and that's what's at the core. And to start with something important and valuable, that is far more important, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Purpose is so important behind what we do. And this is this is the kind of stuff that I love talking about because there's so much value in like the, the things that you've created. I just, it, that type of stuff means the most to me. So I love that you're on this podcast with us and we get to chat with you. Um, so, so anyway, um, okay, so given the backstory, and, and knowing your, your personal, um, journey with, uh, mental health, how did the project then start into, into the pre-production? So, you know, it's kind of maybe a little bit post pandemic, is that correct? Or mid pandemic? Yeah. It's one of those things where there wasn't like, there was a lot of planning of the actual shoot, but when it came to like the ideation, it was just one of those things where you just wake up and you go, I need to make a film about this. Mm. Right. So um, this was, yeah, I, I, we shot this back in, it was like October of 21. So, um, I want to say I was conceptualizing this. Yeah. Like summer of last year. So you woke up and said, I got to make this film. What was the next steps from there? How did you go about selecting your crew and the locations? What did it look like from, from that point? Yeah. So 
the first thing is funding, right? We got to figure out how we're going to like get money to make this happen. Um, and the irony of that is that for me, this in my head, I kind of thought this would have been the easiest project to fund um, because there are plenty of organizations, plenty of nonprofits, plenty of resources that I could reach out to and they would give money for this. Um, I reached out to every single either mental health awareness organization, nonprofit in North America. I think it was around 40 to 45 organizations. They all came back and said, don't make this. This is a terrible idea. This is way too bold. Um, if you make this, you'll, you'll do more harm than good. And this just won't be a good film to make. So please just like forward, like just our sanity, like don't make this, like please reconsider because this is way too triggering. Well, they're wrong, um, and, and it might be, and it and and it might be triggering for some. So if you if you do watch this, um, you know there is. I think there's a PSA at the beginning. So right, there's a little note at the beginning that says like, "Hey, right. some some of the things might be triggering." So you know, be aware of that. But it is so it is so beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think where I stand on the triggering is that I agree. It's 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 uh, it's it's suicide awareness. It's going to be bold. It's going to be triggering, but. That's the subject matter. I mean, I, th- I feel like it is disrespectful to make something safe and almost walking on eggshells with subject matter like this because I think if you sort of treat it like this this sort of disease that you have to stand away from and you can't really explore it, I think it's I think that's just not the way to go about it. I think the more honest and the more transparent you are, I think that can help others. The whole purpose for me to make this was to make something that felt real and felt, you know, authentic to my experience. And I know that my experience is not this anomaly experience. This is something that millions of people deal with. And so where did the story go from there? What did you then do with that information? Did you look elsewhere for funding? Yeah. So I basically turned from a hundred to like 200 because at my email to every single person after that was like, I really, you know, I, I appreciate your honesty. Like I, it's, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, so I'll, I'm still making this film and I'll be sure to send you the link as soon as it comes out. That was my response to them. Um, and I just doubled down and was like, I have to make this now to prove a point that they're wrong. And like these gatekeepers aren't just because they're leading these organizations. I, I feel like that they're not looking at this through the right lens. They're looking at this from we're going to offend a couple of people rather than we're going to help a million people. And I think that's the I think when you're working in this sort of industry like you you just can't, I feel like you have to understand that you're going to offend people or it's going to be bold, it's going to be triggering, but that's why you have these messages get, that can come in before these films that say, you know, you know, trigger warning before you know this is what's happening. Like, you can have those, and if someone doesn't want to watch that, they're very much um, aware of what's going to happen. And on top of that, if you're, if you're triggered by watching something like that, which totally makes sense, there's no, I don't think you're on the internet looking up those films anyway. Yeah. At that point, um, you are aware. This is an awareness film for those who are not aware. So right, a, exactly. Yeah. It was for more the people who, I mean, it was for two audiences. It was for, yeah, someone who, like my parents, they've never dealt with mental health. And so they've always just been like solid and like have never felt things before. And like, I don't, I don't know if that's a generational thing or what, but when I was talking with them about this, they were like, yeah, we've never felt anxious or really depressed. Like, it's just kind of like, Whoa. that's just, you Lucky know, it's then. just, I, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and for me, when I was 
kind of going through what I was going through in 2020, my mom would just say like, well, can't you just like switch it off? It's like, it, it, and it's not like someone's being rude. Like if no one's felt that they're like, well, just if you feel sad, then like think happy thoughts and things will go away. And so this was, this PSA was for an audience that may not understand that like how maybe mental health works. And then also for the audience of people who, you know, feel alone and giving them something where it's like, okay, you're seen in this film. Like this isn't, you aren't in this minority, you are in the majority of people and this is most people. And when you talk to most people about depression or anxiety, like most will open up and not, you know, they'll either say I've, I felt I've dealt with this before or, oh yeah, I've had, I had a friend who dealt with this or I had a family member who mm-hmm. dealt with this. Like everyone mm-hmm. has an attachment to it. So it's not like yeah. this very niche topic to bring up that no one can relate to. Mm. I think I reached out to a couple of freelance producers and see if they knew anyone who, you know, whether it was like, uh, I don't know, some sort of online therapy company or something that worked in mental health. And there was no still like, it was either the same reply of like, we don't have anyone or, Hey Parker, I, just between me and you, like, this is a little too much. Like, this is kind of out of like your wheelhouse a bit. Like this is going to be a bit too dark and this may kind of, um, this may turn off a lot of people. And so then I went from, I turned up to 200 and then I was on 300 and I was like, okay, now I have a lot of people to prove wrong because I know this is going to be very impactful and mean a lot. Um, so thankfully, uh, a stock footage company that I sell stock footage through film supply, I reached out to them. Um, I've had a relationship with them for the last six or seven years. And, and it was one of those things where they know where my heart's at and they know I come from a genuine place and there was basically a conversation of like, I will give you this stock footage that we shoot. I'll give you everything we shoot from the film in lieu of funding the project. And they said, sure, that works for wow. us. And I go, cool. great. So after that, shout then out it to was film supply. shout out to film supply. Exactly. Yeah. And so from there, that was like, okay, this film is happening now. I'd love to know from there. Um, how did you go? Did you assemble the crew? Yeah. So for me, you know, my, my main job is commercial directing. And so, um, I kind of already have a Rolodex of crew. And for me, I kind of work with the same people over and over. Um, I don't tend to go out of like my wheelhouse of people. I think once I build that relationship, it's very communal and very much, uh, a relationship that is, is past just being creatives. Like we're, we're in, we're in the, we're in the trenches together. So for me, it was like the same crew I work with almost everything. So as far as crewing up, it wasn't really a long uh, process. But the crewing up, believe it or not, that was more towards the end of pre-production and just kind of like getting everything ready. For me, it was who's going to play this person? Who's going to be the character in the film? I was going to ask you about that. It was interesting. As I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, there was definitely a choice. I, I maybe I'm wrong. You uh, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. It felt like there was a choice behind having this girl be the main character. Um, sort of what you would think like, you know, uh, a classic, like beautiful blonde girl, very happy party gal, you know, very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just Not very someone like, that you would like publicly assume. Yeah, yeah. Not someone you would on. publicly assume would have um, mental health struggles or um, struggle with thoughts of suicide and things like that. But I, I thought it was like a great choice because it, she didn't seem, n- no disrespect to her at all. 
I'm kind of in the same boat. She didn't seem very like edgy. And so, um, you know, it, it's not somebody that you would assume. I, I, am I correct in assuming that that was the, the choice behind I'll picking take, her? I, I mean, you're, I mean, that was deeper than it was. So I'll take, I'll just start saying that was the, uh, that was sort of the inspiration behind it. Sure. I mean, for me, it's like a lot of my casting goes into, um, a bit more in a practical sense of, I wanted to bring someone on who has been in this, who has been in that bed crying and not knowing what to do. Um, and that was sort of like the first thing for me. So absolutely. I mean, I think having someone who looks like just a socialite person who just doesn't really deal with mental health and just has fun all the time, like that totally works. And, and for me, I think probably subconsciously that's why I gravitated towards her. But for, for me in the casting call, like I didn't really, I mean, in general, a lot of the narrative stuff I work on, it's usually with first time actors or people who don't act at all. Um, and so for me, it was, it was more about finding someone who's been in that position. And so in the casting call, it was, it was, here's the role, but also please only apply to this. If this is something that you feel like you've dealt with on a personal level. So moving. Okay. So you, you found your actor and then production time. Um, everything was moving really quick. And then I was calling my DP who I work with almost everything who lives in LA. And I was basically saying like, Tell, like, these are the days I want to shoot. I'm going to book your flight. You're going to sleep on my couch. And that was like, okay, cool. He's locked in. So you um, shot in New York? We shot in New York, yeah. Okay, cool. And how long was the shoot? We actually finished early, but it was, uh, I don't know, eight hours. <laughs> it wasn't nice. too bad. It was nice. It was, a, it was a really solid day. I think we had no dialogue and everything was basically a dolly in. Did you have like the the sound effects that went along with everything? Did you have that like storyboarded out or is that something you were inspired by afterwards? No, all of that was added in after. I knew that I wanted it to feel barren inside the apartment and it was if, basically I think the way I wrote it was as if you were a friend who walked into this person's apartment and you were looking for them and this is you walking into these different rooms kind of you know, seeing the water dripping on the dishes that haven't been cleaned in a week to seeing all the pills and like everything against like the, uh, the table to like the blade inside the bathroom. Like you're seeing your, it's all these different hints. And then you find your friend in their bedroom. Right. So for me, that was, um, that was, that was kind of the, you know, I, I don't know how deep the sound design thought was before, but I knew I wanted that the sound design was going to be basically the score for the film. Right. Right. That's beautiful. So as you're directing this actor, you know, this is obviously, it's a heavy piece. It's heavy material and you want to get it right, you know, um, because it can be triggering and it, and you've experienced, um, mental health, um, some struggles with mental health, um, as had the actor as well too. So when you are directing, her what was that experience like what was the dynamic um yeah just just speak a little bit to that well so I, I think it's I think it's unfair if you write something for someone and you let them put themselves out on camera yet you don't share your experiences with them um so we met I think twice before we shot and basically the conversation we just had in the beginning about my whole struggle the last two years um I basically shared kind of what we just did just now of like why I'm making this. Um, 
basically going to say like, here's, here's all of me. Like, it's like, yeah. we're in this together. This isn't like, That's cool. we're not just, you know, I'm not trying to sort of put you in this traumatizing place. And like, we're just getting it from the joy of making it. Like, this is the reason I'm making this. This is how I came with this idea. And this is kind of what I'm going for. She came to set probably four hours after we were set up. Um, and I think I, I mean, I tried to talk to her every 15 or 20 minutes in between shots and was making sure like, are you comfortable? Like, what do you need? Like, can I get you anything? Cool. Um, I love that. And constantly just checking in and being like, you know, this and let her know what we're doing. This is what we're filming. Like, these are the shots. Like, this is what we're capturing. Having these constant conversations, I think, let her guard down a bit where it was like, okay, I'm, she's getting more comfortable. Because again, there's a crew of eight people. There's eight strangers who she's never met before. And so it's like, that's got to be nerve wracking to be on a set knowing you're about to just like unload emotionally in front of all these strangers and this director who you just met two weeks ago on backstage. Right. So I gave her sort of the power you can call cut whenever you want to. And did she end up utilizing that at all? So that's the thing. I think once you give someone all that control, they they're comfortable and they don't use it. So no, she, we would, we just, she never called cut once. She just went the entire time. Um, and then also for that whole scene too, I set up, uh, basically solids around the camera. And so she couldn't see anyone but herself, um, through the camera. And so from her point of view, it's just a camera and then it's just solids around. So the whole crew is behind that, um, not saying anything. So after a while, I think that every, we did a couple of takes, um, and I think we rolled for like eight to nine minutes. So after a couple of minutes, like you just don't know anyone's there, but yourself. And I think that's when, um, I think that's when the most honest moments come out because it's like, she was, okay, I know I can call cut. I feel like I'm alone. And like, I feel like there was sort of a, I think just a chain reaction of, of once she knew she was in control of the entire shoot. And that's how I meant it to be. It's like, because she should be, um, I think that gave her the the flexibility to go, okay, I can be myself. And if I feel like I'm doing too much, I'll call cut. But she never did because I think she just felt safe and that she felt like, okay, I'm, I'm trusted. And I, I think that helped a lot with her performance. You said she had just met you on backstage. What is backstage? So backstage is a casting website. Um, I pretty much use that exclusively for like every film or commercial I do. And essentially what backstage is, is that, I think it's, I mean, you could use it for anything, commercials, film, TV, and you essentially just put a casting call out saying, this is the film, here's the script or the treatment for it, um, here's the different roles that we have, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's like if you were looking at a job listing and see kind of like, okay, this is uh, female, 25 to 30, okay, this is the role, and so it's, it's essentially used to, uh, to cast people for, for any yeah. sort of like film projects. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's cool just to highlight tools that people use here and there. I understand you had a DP on this project. Uh, do you typically just trust them with whatever camera selection they want to use? Do you have input on the camera and, and lens setup for this project? Yeah, so what's really interesting is that I started out as a DP and was a DP for about seven years before I made the transition to directing. I say all of that because my relationship with my DP is a lot more intimate and a lot more technical than when I was DP and there was directors who didn't even know what some of the terms were so or knew how long things took to set up. Um, and so we have a very, very more 
kind of intimate relationship when it comes to camera choice and lens choicing. He has DP'd, um, he DP'd my first short film, uh, and we found the setup of using like the original Alexa classic, so like the big beefy guy, um, and then Lomo standard speeds, um, which we, we've coined since now we just shoot a lot of depressing things. We call them the, uh, the emo speeds. Um, but, uh, that's kind of our setup for like every single project. And then we just, I just made another film a few months ago and we used the exact same setup. So that's, you know, for, for the last three narrative projects, it's been the Alexa classic with the, the Lomo standard speeds. Speaking on your post team, um, what was that arrangement? Yeah, so I work, I'm just going to give like a small little shout out here. My, my editor, uh, Brian Chambers, he has cut everything I've done for the last two years. Um, he's done everything from my motocross spots to the Be Here Now piece to then he just, he cut my latest short film. So he's done two narrative films for me. It's like he's done everything um, as well as a documentary that we shot in Mexico two years ago. So he is the most like versatile editor ever. And he's kind of like what I was saying earlier is that I make sure all the people I work with are, are close friends as well. Like it's not just like people I hit up when it's like, here's the next project, like we're friends first. And so when I come to them with these projects and say, we don't have any money, it's not a question of like, well, let me know when you have money, then we'll work on something. Like they know what I'm trying to make and they know what it is that, um, is sort of the inspiration behind what it is that we're creating together. So there's like, they know there's a purpose there. Um, so was Brian also the colorist on this then? Did he, is he kind of one-stop shop? No, I think I'm pretty sure Sid colored some of this and I colored like the other half. I think we, me and him kind of like dual colored this. I think like for me, I, I usually light for how it's going to look in the grade where we really just could have added some contrast to this and it probably would have been um, still looked nice because we're lighting it very dramatically. After we wrapped, I think we opened up Resolve and stayed up like late that night and was like coloring it and like seeing what we could do. So it was, uh, it was, we sort of already knew the aesthetic and the look um, kind of before we even went into production. So was it then, did you just put it out online? What was the release like? I think we went through a couple of different websites to do some type of premiere. My biggest thing was that, you know, the, the, the part of me that was really upset about not having these organizations attached to is because they already have built in audiences. Right. And while I made this for myself, I, I, I made this for the masses to consume it and for people to really engage with this and see it. Um, so the idea was, yeah, we can just release this and that's fine. But I wanted to do some type of release, um, Again, it was the same sort of conversation even with like platforms to release it through was to say like, this is too much. Um, fortunately, like we did a self-release, but there were some, there were some companies that, that do film releases or video releases that premiered it. But there was a big company called Nowness who were incredible and they did like a front page um, video release feature. as well as, yeah, feature as well as posting it on social. Um and that just, it was somehow when, when it came out on that channel, there was just like this massive, um, like release of people who like were swarming to watch this. Um, and yeah, then, what was the reception like? 
still to this day, I get a message at least once a week or a couple times a week, whether it's a, a email, a DM or a text from a stranger to a friend, to a family member who watches this, um, and says like, I'm like really happy. Like I saw, mm. I found this or like I lost a friend to suicide. Like I wish they were still alive so they could see this and maybe they'd still be here. I felt like this before and I'm so happy. I'm like, it makes me feel comf- comforted that you would make something like this because now I feel, I don't feel alone in this journey anymore. I, I, I now realize that I'm not the only one who deals with this. You can imagine email thread is like, here's my idea. Please don't make this. This is really triggering. Um, and so I, I responded like, here's the piece, like it's being well received. Like, I'd love for you to check it out. Every single one of them came back and was like, this is beautiful. This is great. Like, we're so happy you made this. And then I was back home for a weekend. Um, and I was hanging out with my mom and we were just like talking and I had a random phone call from like a number in New York and I picked up, it was the, one of the people that was like head of production at one of these organizations. And they were like, who's told me not to make it. Um, they were like, Parker, like, we really love this. This is great. We want to offer you a full-time job to come on as creative director at our organization Whoa. and like head the production side. And it was wow. like, I was, you know, I, it was a very respectful phone call, but it was like, no, I'm not doing like, no. So it's, it but, was such a weird still full to circle. have that affirmation. Like you come, they come back around and they're like, to have that affirmation, that's an honor, you know, for them to be like, Hey, come work with us because you know what? We were wrong you, that, that this is a beautiful piece. You know, what happened a few months after is there's a global award show called the Webbies, which is like highlighting the top films that came out online, um, for the year. It's a big event. It's a great award show. It's cool. This was the first year they opened up submissions for a category called health and wellness. And so I submitted to that. I was like, okay, I'm just totally going in here blind, but like, this is a great audience. Like, this is a big opportunity. Like, this would be cool, but like, there's no way, um, there's no way we're getting into this. Like, it's just, I, you know, I it was like, I'm just going to do this just because I just to, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. I was in Cleveland shooting my last film and I got an email at 6 a.m. and it said, congrats, you've been selected as like the winner as the best mental health film of last year. Wow. Come on. So you talk about affirmation. Like I was, I didn't mm. really have to, I didn't, I didn't need any affirmation when I wrote the film. Cause I was like, I know I'm making this from the heart. And like I, the affirmation was me just making this fleshing that I don't know I was making this film. But for it to be recognized on like a global scale and then to get into an award show where like the other people who won were like Drew Barrymore, Ben Stiller. It's Come like on. people at that event, like Parker Foster, that was huge. by the way, <laughs> yeah. great name, great, yeah. great stage name. Two, two last names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Congrats but, on the Webby, by the way. That's a huge Yeah, that's awesome. That's I, I appreciate that. The film didn't really have an ending. It just sort of ends in sort of a moment of despair. Um, and I understand that. So Sarah, who's the actress in the film, me and her met up uh, a few months ago. Uh, and I was kind of toying with the idea of kind of like what you're saying, it's where's the hope? Like, how do we, it is great that this is here and you can, you can relate to it and you can see yourself in it, but we need something that says I'm going to be okay. Mm. So we're doing a part two to be here now. That's going to be an extension 
that we're shooting next month and it's called I'm Here. And cool. what it is is that it's the recovery of kind of getting out of that shell and mm. becoming your own person again. The mm. reasoning for that is now there's going to be kind of like two sides of one coin where we have kind of basically it's a, it's it's to show the two sides of humanity where you can be this girl, you can be anyone, you can be this person who's locked inside their apartment, they're, they don't want to be here anymore. And you can also be this person who rises up and decides that I'm going to be here for me. But you, it's not like a transforma- transformation where you're sad, then you're happy, and then you're happy forever. It's It's to show that we have these range of emotions as people and it's okay to be both of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so next month we're doing the second version of this, which is going to be the, so cool. the hopeful side. Oh cool. my gosh, I can't wait to see that. As we start to kind of wrap this conversation up, which has been a really good conversation. So thank you, Parker. Um, I would love to just kind of let people know where they can find more of your work, how they can support you as an artist, as a creator, for specific projects. Obviously, you have part two coming up, um, so people can um, look forward to that. But are you, is it just Parker Foster on Instagram? It's really confusing on Instagram. It's, uh, I can like, I'll just spell it out. So it's, my Instagram handle is N-Z-S-L-A-U-S-I-V. <laughs> okay. So that's okay. The, I, uh, I got lost. I know. Awesome. We'll it's, add it it's in like the Morse show code. notes. It'll yeah, be yeah. in the show notes. Someone's doing some crazy math right now in their head listening to this. But um, <laughs> I ran a production company a few years ago, and that is just the production company backwards. And uh, oh, nice! I did not. So I, I think I had Parker Foster in like eighth grade, and then I changed, and then someone has that right now. So I can't. Son uh, of a gun. That. <laughs> um, um, okay, but yeah, so in, in terms your of Instagram, in, your website. Yeah. Um, after making Be Here Now, I started an organization called Be Here Now, which is. Basically, the goal of that is oh, to wow. make content and films that are still can be at the level of the PSA, but it's more portrait pieces and more documentary style. Um, Very cool. And that's just be here now, NYC. My last question for you, um, just being on the show, we love to hear uh, from people, somebody that you look up to or you really enjoy their work, somebody that you would like to listen to an episode of them talking about whether it's a project or a, a specific filmmaker. Yeah. So I think it was five or six years ago. I saw the film place beyond the pines, which Derek oh, okay. France directed. Yep. Um, and then I explored furthermore and found blue Valentine, which is now like my favorite movie of all time. Um, Ooh, and goodie. I think I've watched every direct, I've, I've watched every interview with Derek that you can find on YouTube and the, the sort of awareness he has as a director and as a writer and just as a human, um, for me, it's like, it's, it, it transcends filmmaking and, it, and that sounds so meta and like deep, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's the first time I found a director who I really look up to who doesn't just sit back and is like, kind of like a film nerd, like they approach filmmaking just like life. And I think that's Ooh, I a big that. thing for me is everything I work on project wise for me comes from true experience and something that I just want to write about and then use that as a tool to, to sort of ask a question or just to have the conversation afterwards. And I find that the work that he does as well is the same thing. And I think that's where that connecting point came. So he would be the person that, awesome. yeah, I mean, yeah. I what mean, that would name? be Derek Sienna France. Anyway. Um, so real quick, I just want to say, I, I appreciate your, uh, 
openness and willing to just share your story and then share a, a lot about this film and um, also just like your thoughtfulness within in in approaching actors like I think that that's very important as a director um, but yeah thank you so much for just being with us and spending time with us and um, sharing all the goodness that you did yeah I, I really appreciate you guys having me on and it, it, it's wonderful to have a platform that you know we can be really open and transparent and then in hopes people who listen who may be not necessarily afraid, but maybe hesitant to maybe speak up, can at least know that there's other people who feel like this um, and, and can give them a bit more of a light. And I think that's kind of the biggest goal right now is to to use platforms like yours and, 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 and anywhere else to, to have these conversations and in hopes at least one person can, can come out of this and, and feel more like themselves. Right. So good. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been really, really awesome. I love this. I could talk about this kind of stuff all day long, mostly just because I love purpose behind um, films and stuff. And this has just so much and I so much value. And I love that. Featuring Filmmakers is made possible by Harvest Film Company. To dive into content about these projects that we discuss, you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes, the original project discussed, and additional episodes there. So check us out at featuringfilmmakers.com. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Bye.